Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. This is our preview podcast we like to do every week. We're going to preview, of course, USC's upcoming game with Arizona on the road this Saturday night in Tucson, Arizona. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. We're going to talk first uh, with Jason Shear. So he's the publisher and senior editor of wildcatauthority.com. So check that out uh, on the 24-7 Sports Network. So he knows all about, of course, he knows all about Arizona. So we want to talk to him in our preview show. We're also going to talk to Rafael Esparza a little bit later on in the show. He's with Doc Sports Service and a odds maker consultant for mybookie.ag. And we'll talk about the line in this game. Uh, just so you know, if you happen to be a betting person, USC is 0-4 against the spread. And I believe 5-15-1 in their last 21 games against the spread so not not no bueno if you uh like betting on usc if you bet against usc you're doing uh extremely well um so yeah so we're going to talk to rafael we're going to talk to uh jason about that before that i want to let you know if you guys need any gifts usc type of gifts so you know full disclosure this is uh, my wife's company is called preserve press uh but her items they're really they're Cool items, uh, high end or uh, more high end items in the USC bookstore, and they're up on the USC bookstore website now. But they're like reclaimed wood serving trays or recycled wood uh, coasters and charcuterie boards for meats and cheeses. She got these cool luggage tags. That's what I put on my uh, my my travel bag. It says traveler on it, picture of traveler. Uh, so cool stuff. Um, they have things for away games. Uh, there's Christmas ornaments. Uh, there's a lot of great gifts for anyone that's a Trojan in your life. And uh, they're actually giving 15% off of all that stuff in the bookstore now. So on the bookstore's website. So if you go to uscbookstore.com slash preserve press, P-R-E-S-E-R-V-E-P-R-E-S-S, you can see the whole new fall winter collection. And if you put preserve press, all one word at checkout, you will get 15% off. So if you have any kind of you know gift ideas and you wanted to do that, I just wanted to let you guys know. Um, like, again, full disclosure, it's my wife's company, but they're putting... Uh, it's a real small, it's not like a big company, it's a small company, but they have really cool uh, higher end USC stuff uh, in the USC bookstore. Like if you want to go for one of the games, but they also, it took them a little while, but they have them on their website now. So they just put them on the website and they're putting 15% off. Again, it's Preserve Press to get the 15% off. All right, as promised, we're going to talk some Arizona football with Jason Shear. Follow him on Twitter at Jason, S-C-H-E-E-R. He is the publisher and senior editor of wildcatauthority.com. Make sure to check him out. He's uh, all over this Arizona program. Jason, thanks so much for coming on and uh, previewing the game with us. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Um, well, wanted to kind of check in with you and see. This is a this is an Arizona team that I had higher expectations for at the beginning of the season, and then things didn't go all that well, but seemed to turn things around. Now, the last couple of games. Uh, 
I don't know. What, what have you thought? It's just been kind of like I kind of Arizona State and Arizona were exact opposites for me, but now they seem to be going in the opposite directions. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was there with you thinking that Arizona was, was one of the favorites in the South, but I think what I didn't account for, what other people maybe didn't account for, is the the change in offensive philosophies. Um, I, I think it's had a, a major impact on Arizona, at least on that side of the ball, just because um, things are a lot different. It's not that run-and-gun, Rich Rodriguez offense. Um, Khalil Tate's not the same quarterback he was last season, and, and I think they've struggled with that at times, but you know, kind of taking a look at Arizona, they were also missing their best offensive lineman, and he came back uh, two weeks ago against Southern Utah. They had their best rushing performance of the season, and then against Oregon State, they surpassed that. So the offense, and I know the opponents aren't great, but the offense has played its two best games of the season uh, since late three came back. So um, Arizona's healthier, and so I don't think it's as bad as it was in the first two games, but it's probably not as good as, as it looked against Oregon State either. So this was a team when we we talked about uh, when we previewed everybody uh, on the podcast of champions. So three offensive linemen lost from last year and Lathe Freak. It's Freak, right? That's what they say. Not Freak, Freak or something. Freak. I call him Freak. Yeah, I think it's Freak. <laughs> I've heard. I think it's like Lathe Freak or something. I think it's Freak. Did some people say that? Okay, I've heard both, so I wasn't sure. But you said Freak. I would go with that. That's fine. Lathe Freak. It sounds like it's a cool name either way. It's F-R-I-E-K-H, so if you're, you know, spelling along at home. Um, but so he had to miss the first two games of the season. And I think I got a, like an angry tweet or two. They're like, do your homework, man. I'm like, we, we talked about this in the preview. I didn't know how big of a difference it would make, but it, it did seem to make a huge difference, him coming back. Yeah, he's, he's clearly Arizona's best offensive lineman. It's, uh, it's, it's really not even close. Um, it, it's made a huge, huge deal, especially since, uh, you know, Arizona doesn't have a lot of returning players on the line. He was the only one, um, the, yeah, he was the only one going into the season that had started a game on the offensive line. So the other, a couple other guys had played. Uh, the starting center was supposed to be Nathan Eldridge. He tore his knee up in, in fall camp, and so he was out for the season. So they had to start uh, a walk-on. They're starting a walk-on at center, and, and they had to move around. They're starting a true freshman. Um, at guard now and and so he's by far not only is he the best lineman but he's kind of like the settling leader of the bunch and uh, him and Cody Creason are probably the the two best linemen Arizona has but what they were able to do since Lace came back is kind of move things around so they moved their two best linemen Lace and Cody Creason now play next to each other on the left side they now have a true freshman on the right side um, at right tackle and and he's done well there And, and so uh, the line is just much more balanced and, and better than it was early in the season because it was it was flat out bad in those first two games. And then, so we saw the resurgence of the the running game. You said, you know, game three, Southern Utah. I mean, putting up sixty two points. It's you know, it's Southern Utah, but that's what you kind of want to do. Uh, but really, against Oregon State, I think it was four hundred and twenty two yards. JJ Taylor had nearly three hundred himself, and then Gary Brightwell had over a hundred yards. As well, have you seen those guys kind of develop in this offense and, and feel a little more comfortable as the season's gone on? Yeah, Gary Brightwell's a guy where he was actually a slot receiver on the team last year. Um, and it was weird because Rich Rodriguez would, would continually say they want to get him the ball, but they, they never did. And the new coaching staff moved him to running back right away. And uh, he, he's just, he's a much, he's a different runner than Taylor. He's a much more power type of guy. And 
Uh, he's got a lot of talent, but these are like the first carries he's had in his career at Arizona. He he was really strong against Oregon State, but him and Taylor form a nice combination. Taylor's he's really small, but he finds a way to to get through the tackles, and he's more shifty than Brightwell, who kind of just run you over. But those are two guys where where they've come along, and you can just tell with the way the offensive line has changed that that Taylor's much more comfortable than he was earlier in the season. He trusts the guys that are in front of him now. Yeah, if you look, it's funny. Uh, I think it was after the game. I forget who was interviewing J.J. Taylor, but it was someone that was like a former football player, a huge guy. And poor J.J. Poor Taylor, look, he just looks like a, a like, you know just such a small person next to him. He, he's just a hard guy to, to track down and tackle. He's not a, you know, he's not a very big dude. Yeah, I mean, he's listed at 5'6". And so wow. if, if that, yeah, he, and, and guys are usually, it's usually exaggerated. So he, he's a legit like five, 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 six. And, but he, he's, he's strong. He's got a nice base and he, he's very shifty. So he's a, he's gotta be one of the smallest running backs out there, which in a way makes them tough to, to tackle the way that Arizona runs this offense. So we have to obviously talk uh, about Khalil Tate. Um, you know, he, I think he has 32 rushing yards on the entire season. Uh, you know, this is a different, much different Tate than we saw that won four Pac-12 Offensive Player a Week awards in a row last year. No one's ever done that. Um, what, what have you thought about the way Tate's come along and, and you know played in this offense? It's it's really interesting. I know a, a lot's kind of been made of the ankle injury, but I'm not sure the ankle injury is necessarily why Khalil's the way he is. I think it's a mixture. I think number one, uh, it just there's not a lot of it's not the Rich Rodriguez offense. I mean, Noel Mazzoni wants his quarterbacks to pass first, pass second, and, and run third. And you mix that with the fact that I, in, in my opinion, at least from what I've seen, I don't think Khalil Tate wants to be known as a runner. Uh, you, you know, it's, it might be the wrong decision, but I think uh, for his future, he believes that he needs to be a better passer. So I think there's been times where if you go back and watch, he, he's had the ability to run and he's had the lanes to run and he just won't do it. And, and so, um, it, it really depends on who you ask and, and, and their opinion of it. But um, I, I will say I think he's becoming a better thrower um, in, in, with the intermediate routes. His accuracy isn't great this year, um, but it, it's been it's been pretty decent as of late. Um, his biggest issue right now is that he kind of goes for the, the long pass instead of the, the easy way out a few times, and it, it'll work against a team like Southern Utah, but against a team like Houston or BYU, it, it just didn't really work. But He's probably, when it's all said and done, he'll be a better quarterback, a better passing quarterback. But the days of Khalil Tate running wild, they're, they're just not going to happen anymore. That's just, for whatever reason, that's not who he is, especially, or at least this season, that's not who he is. Yeah, um, I will see. I mean, that's uh, that was so much fun to watch. Uh, but we'll see, you know, it, there's a team that seems like it's going the right direction, so that's good. We, uh, we had a voicemail question about this. I thought I'd play it for you and get your thoughts. Uh, here you go. Hey, Ryan, this is Curtis in Moreno Valley. It seems like Khalil Tate and uh, Sumlin have uh, cooked up a way for him to show the NFL that he can be a pocket passer. They already know that he can run because he's trying not to run. I heard Toby Gerhardt on the Pac-12 uh, final score say that they thought maybe it's an injury or he saw several plays where he could have took off and ran. Read option. He saw that it was open, but he still gave it. Sumlin is making him be a pocket quarterback. Now, when he chooses to unleash him, 
I don't know. I don't know when that's going to be. I just hope it's not when we play him. I <laughs> hope he stays in the pocket like he's been doing all season, and we never have to worry about him running. Pretty stupid coaching if you want to win as far as I'm concerned, but I know what they're up to. They're trying to show the NFL that he can be a pocket passer along with being a devastating runner. Um, what do you guys think? How do you think we ought to play it? Curtis from Moreno Valley. So I don't know what you think about that one, uh, Jason. I, I'm i not sure it is Kevin Sumlin. I, I think it's it's more Khalil Tate. You know, it's, and it might be Mazzoni. You know, Kevin Sumlin was the coach, and he was a different offensive coordinator when they when they had Menzel, um, and, and he's had running quarterbacks in the past. But Mazzoni's history, the closest thing was, was Brett Hundley, and, and Hundley ran, but it wasn't like Khalil last year. I think – it's almost as if someone is telling Khalil Tate, and I don't think it's someone that in order to make the NFL, you need to show that you're a throwing quarterback. So I agree with the caller. I think there is a, con- a major effort to show that Khalil Tate can throw the ball, but I don't think it's necessarily the coaching staff that's telling him not to run. I think a lot of that is his decision, and uh, it could change against USC because he takes that USC game. He may never admit it, but he 100% takes that USC game more seriously than any other game on the schedule. Um, we saw last season where he was crying at the end of the game. So he might go into Saturday's game and say, you know, I'm going to run and pass and do everything I can. Or he might be the same quarterback that we've seen. But either way, I just, I definitely think that there's kind of a, a thing where he's gone out and said to himself, I need to throw the, the ball more than others. And we thought, I think it was after the first game against BYU, someone asked him, why he didn't run, and his answer was literally quarterbacks throw and quarterbacks pass, and, and the running is something that if it happens, it happens, and, and I think that's just the new Khalil Tate. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, obviously, you're closer to the situation, and just even his um, reluctance when they were looking at coaches, and uh, was it Kalani Sataki? Is that uh, who the, was looking at? And he's like, hey, I don't want to run a triple option. He would be devastating, <laughs> a triple option, you know? Like, that would be amazing, but I think that's what he was saying. And so maybe you get some hit from that, just from that. He's like, you know what? I don't really want to be that dynamic runner. I want to be a, a passing quarterback. Yeah, it was, the, it was the Navy coach. And he, you know, he, he. I don't even think he would have ran the triple option, but even if he did, the numbers that Khalil Tate would put up in a triple option with talent around him would have been absolutely ridiculous. And so to me, it was kind of laughable when that whole thing happened because I'm not saying he's a – triple option quarterback but that system would have fit him perfectly and even if they didn't run the triple option they would have ran a system that that fits him well where he would be running and this is about as pro style as you could get with Nomazoni. it's almost a little bit of an antiquated offense in the way he runs it but uh, I, I guess if he wants to prepare for the NFL, Mazzoni's a, a pretty good guy to do it. Yeah, was that Ken Nui Matalolo? I forgot you said I got the wrong, sorry, wrong Polynesian head coach. My, my bad on that. Um, but well, yeah, we'll see uh, what's going on. Well, let's talk about the defense a little bit. Um, one of the things that like stopped me in my tracks, like you and you and um, Chris Cartman both during our previews made me change the way I was thinking about the teams you guys cover. Um, I was very, very down on Arizona state and, and Cartman really convinced me like, Hey, they could be pretty good this year. I, I don't think long-term they'll be good, but I think this year they could be good. And I, that, that so far that's been, you know, pretty close to right. 
what you said that kind of concerned me the most was, and I, you know, I knew it was a young defense. I knew they give up a whole lot of yards and stuff last year, but I felt like they were going to come back and play a lot better. And you said there was only two healthy scholarship cornerbacks on the team. And then against Oregon state, they're playing a lot of dimes. So I'm, I'm curious what's going on with defensive backs. Is it where you thought it would be? Did they, did they find some more guys? Cause it seems like they're playing some more dudes in there in the secondary. Yeah, so they, against BYU, the defense was really bad. Against Houston, the defense was worse. And basically, Kevin Sumlin, the defense coordinator, said, we need to play more guys. Like, we need more depth. We need to figure out who can play and who can't. So what they did is the last two games, they've played a ton of guys. And uh, since we talked, they they added a a transfer from UNLV, Tim Huff, who is a starting corner at UNLV. and, And he's not great, but he's starting right now. Arizona's best corner is a Jace Whitaker. He has yet to really play in a game this season. Um, he, he's, he's probably out against USD with a shoulder injury, and they don't talk much about injuries here, but I assume he's out. Um, he's clearly the best corner, and, and basically what they're doing is they move guys around. They had a safety named Troy Young. They moved him to, to kind of corner, and he's out there moving around a little bit. They're playing younger guys. And so basically what they've decided is that they're going to give – a bunch of guys looked, and, and there might be some growing pains. Against Oregon State, it worked great. Um, but they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, it, it, Whitaker's been out. They had a P.J. Johnson, who's their starting defensive lineman um, inside. He, he's been out. His first game back was last game. He missed a couple games. And, and they have other guys that have kind of been injured. And, and so they're finally healthy, or for the most part, they're healthy. Um, but, but the defense, the, the depth just isn't great. Um, the passing, it, it really comes down to the defensive line. Even if the corners are fine, um, the defensive line, it, it pretty much goes as they go. They lost the defensive lineman for the season. Uh, they're starting defensive end, but the backup, J.B. Brown from, from Long Beach Poly, he's been pretty good. But uh, the defense is just, it, it's got some older guys, but at other positions and depth-wise, it's, it's really young. But what we've seen is Marcel Yates, the defensive coordinator, I mean, he was running formations. Uh, last game that they've never he hasn't run in three years at Arizona. They're playing four down linemen. Usually he he plays three down linemen. Now he's playing four. They're playing some dime. They've never played dime before. So I mean I really don't even know. Against USD they'll probably show something they haven't seen. And and I think that's someone basically saying, hey, we we need to mix things up if we're going to win games. I mean it seemed to work pretty well because even you know Oregon State, yeah they're 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 not good, but. Uh, I mean, Arizona wasn't good and they made them look really bad and they, you know, they scored a bunch of points on Ohio state, like to, for, to go into Corvallis and only give up 14 points. I thought that was pretty impressive. Is, is Colin Schooler still the, like the, the leader about Tony Fields, like the linebackers, are they kind of the leaders of the defense right now? Yeah, it's Schooler. Schooler's on pace to to break the school record this year for tackles for loss. I think he has 10 already through four games. Wow. <laughs> far and away, the, he's far and away the best defensive player on the team and, and there's some other guys that, that are good, but I think if, if he doesn't play well, you can pretty much assume that the defense won't play well, but um, he's played great pretty much every game this season. What about the uh, the special teams game? What's what's that looked like so far? You know, it, it's weird because Kevin Sumlin puts way more concentration into special teams than Rich Rodriguez did. Um, they they changed kickers, and they put a, a kid named Lucas Taversick at a, a kicker, and he's got a huge leg but he's four for eight on field goals and he's missed an extra point. Um, they're staying with him. And, and I do think he's a good kicker. I, I just think this is his first year actually kicking field goals last year. He was the, the kickoff guy and he's probably one of the best kickoff guys in the country. 
Um, I think he's only had like two kicks that aren't touchbacks so far. Um, they've returned a, uh, a kick for a touchdown. They're much more aggressive. Last game, they, they faked the field goal um, at, a, at an opportune time. They got the first down and wound up scoring a touchdown on the drive. So I think overall with coverage and, and things like that, it's better. But uh, the field goal kicking is probably a little bit of a concern right now because four for eight just isn't very good. Yeah, that's not going to cut it in a lot of places. Um, well, what are your what are your kind of thoughts on this game? I mean, both teams coming in at two and two. Uh, Arizona is you know one and zero in conference play. USC is one and one. Um, it's you know I, two weeks ago USC had to go to Texas and both teams were one and one and you know had a you know not great loss on the schedule and you know one team was going to be one and two. I think it's big. I mean, as far as the Pac-12 South goes, uh, you get the head-to-head win. In this one, you know, but this is the first, you know, Pac-12 South game and, uh, you know, making a team, one team's going to be below 500, one team's going to be, you know, three and two. And if it's Arizona, they got a three game winning streak. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty good going. I mean, it seems like a really pivotal game, maybe that's not getting as much hype as some of the other ones. Yeah, it's a really important game, especially for Arizona. You can make the, well, it's not really an argument. USC would be the first above average team that, that Arizona's beaten. I mean, their two wins, the Southern Utah and Oregon State, they're, they're obviously not very good teams. And all of a sudden, I mean, someone was getting killed already, even locally, nationally, for, for starting 0-2 and how they looked against BYU and Houston. But if they beat USC, like you mentioned, all of a sudden they're on a three-game winning streak. They have the head-to-head advantage. And their schedule actually works out nicely. They don't play Washington and they don't play Stanford. And so if they win this game Saturday – um, they're, they're, I know it's early, but they're in pretty good position to start the conference season. And see, you know, looking at BYU, like that's a ranked team now, right? I mean, they, they look pretty good. They got a, a tussle coming up with Washington up in Seattle and Houston, they look for real too. So, I mean, it's not like those, those were not cupcakes. Those were uh, legit teams. And, you know, and if Arizona get by USC, you got a Cal defense that's, you know, really improved and you go on the road to play Utah on a Friday night, which would be huge for the Pac-12 South. Uh, but yeah, like you said, there's no uh, no Washington, no Stanford. Uh, if they can get some things rolling after the 0-2 start, I mean, it would be they make a ton of noise in the South. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, it's we we knocked at me, especially I, I killed Arizona for the way they played the first two games. But BYU went and beat Wisconsin, and Houston was a weird game because it was 9 a.m. Arizona kickoff, and yeah, I, I don't know, they looked like they had no like they would rather be anywhere else but that football game it was just really really bad and and so i'm not even sure what type of arizona team we're going to see this weekend i know they'll be motivated but uh the schedule just kind of plays out pretty nicely and with the way they have cal at home and um friday night at utah won't be easy but after that they they have some of the better more difficult games uh, at home than on the road so if they can win and they can be somehow beat cal too all of a sudden they're they're kind of on a roll yeah, so Houston ended up crushing Rice, uh, crushing Arizona, and they crushed Texas Southern. Uh, but they got beat pretty good by uh, number 25, Texas Tech. But they scored 49 points in the game. So this is an offense that scored 45, 45, 49, and 70. Um, you know, pretty pretty legit. <laughs> it seems like a legit team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so it's it's, it's kind of hard. And, and also the offense, just the, the offensive line. Like, we don't know. I mean, I know it's better with lace back, but I think this will be the first time that it's also challenged with lace back. So we'll just see uh, how how much improved the line is. Yeah, I'm really curious about uh, about this one. I'm, you know, 
This is a three and a half point spread. Uh, I could see a lot of different things sort of happening uh, in this one, but I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, sometimes you watch the team so much, you get too close and you're not really sure what to expect. You're just like, I don't know. I'm not sure what USC team is going to show up. They, they you know, they, they got by, you know, by skid of their teeth against Washington State, but I came away really impressed with Washington State. So at least USC's played like Stanford, who looks really good, and Washington State, who I think is a pretty good team. It's hard to tell because when Arizona was playing, they weren't playing their best football against the better teams on the schedule. So, but it's how much can we take out of that Oregon State game uh, on the road? And initially, I, I thought it was pretty significant, but like you said, I, this is going to be the first kind of real test as the as this team is more like in the, the shape you expect them to be for most of the season. Right. It's just, it's, it's kind of interesting because like, we don't have a good idea of what USC team we'll see. And, and I don't really know what Arizona team will see. So <laughs> there's just a lot of, the spread is really weird to me. I'll, I'll say that I, when, when the spread came out, I thought USC would be favored uh, by a lot more. And, and it's something where I can't figure out. Cause when you have a spread like that, um, it's just it's just kind of weird in terms of what we've seen. But like you mentioned, sometimes you watch and you're so close to a team that maybe you don't get the perspective of uh, of other people of what kind of what you're watching. It's what yeah, uh, our friend uh, Michael Lev. Well, hopefully, you get along with him. He used to cover USC here for the Orange County Register. Right. Like, yeah, when he tweeted out uh, the the original the initial line earlier in the week, he's like, "Man, I thought it would be like seven or something, like three and a half or whatever it was. I think it was three and a half at the time." Um, he just thought that was kind of, uh, kind of low, but you know, USC hasn't covered a spread this year. So that might factor into a little bit where they dial it back some just because they haven't been covering any spreads. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that and this includes Lev. I haven't talked to one person that covers Arizona that, that is confident. Like every writer I've talked to that covers Arizona thought the spread would be like seven to 10 points. Like the gotcha. three points just doesn't make any sense to us. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, well, I got uh, I got my little my betting expert that I like to talk to, Rafael Esparza. He's going to come up in the next uh, segment, so we'll get his thoughts on that too. But uh, Jason, Jason Shear, Walkout Authority. Hey, thanks for uh, sharing a few minutes of your time and uh, previewing the game. Uh, hope you hope you have a good time this weekend. I, I'm not making the trip. Uh, this is the first one I'm not going to go to, but I'm I got I haven't been to Utah yet, so I got to go to that one instead. Nice, but uh, I, I haven't been to Utah. I'm thinking about going to that Friday night game just because that'll be nuts. So. Oh yeah, it'll be fun to see it, hopefully. I want to see the must, but I haven't, you know, I haven't been to Tucson for a while. Just you know, when I was booking stuff and when when Arizona started zero and two, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to go to that one. <laughs> but now <laughs> I wish I was I booked it, you know. But uh, whatever, it's I got my team will be there. You can see you can say hi to Dan and Shotgun and Keeley and stuff. So, um, and I think Chris Trevino going to be there too. I got a whole bunch of people there. Um, well, Jason, thanks again for coming on, man. Thanks for taking some time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Jason Shear. Stick uh, stick around for one minute. We're going to have Rafael Sparza talking about the betting line. We were just talking about, but he's going to get a little more detail on the line of this USC-Arizona game. You know, ever since I started the Peristyle podcast, people have been asking me for betting advice. Are the Trojans going to cover the spread? Truth is... I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash 
and win big today. That's why I'm urging you to go make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game, live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business and all you fantasy gurus out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So if you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code PARASTYLE to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code PARASTYLE when creating an account to claim All right, bonus. we are back. As you play, promised, you win. we talk about the you uh, get betting paid. lines for USC and Arizona. And as we have them in every week, Rafael Esparza. You can follow him on Twitter at VSI Doc Sports. He's with Doc Sports Service, also an oddsmaker consultant. For mybookie.ag. What's up, Raphael? Not much. Uh, finally, we get to talk about a USC victory, so it's always a good thing. It's meant, yeah, they're uh, two and two. I guess the first week, but that was, you know, not as exciting as a, as a Pac-12 win. Pretty good one. It was yeah. a the, the odds makers knows what they're talking about. It was at what three and a half or four point spread, and USC won by three. Yeah, which was a, which was a good win for us. I mean, but we had a lot of money on USC. Actually, closed at four and a half, so it was a good night uh, for us because since the money was coming in on them. So yeah, I guess we do know where we are. I guess the lights can stay on in Vegas another night. <laughs> That's good. We're worried. We're worried that, that was going to happen. Um, but USC is now zero uh, and four on the season against the spread. Uh, I picked them once. I picked them to cover against Stanford, which was dumb. But I, I probably won't be picking them again for a while. Um, is it is that weird to see a trend like that for a, a major college program? And I think it's I think we talked about this last week. It's like three fifteen and one or something now, like in the last nineteen games, I believe. Yeah, it's pretty weird to see a USC team do this. Not just. Oh, I mean, we've seen some bad covering teams. I mean, uh, the Virginia Tech have have done it for the past couple of years. But yeah, for what I've seen with USC, I mean, they're five and fifteen uh, against the spread uh, in their last twenty one games with one push. I mean, that's just uh, that's just uh, freaking nature. And then they always start off slow, especially in the month of they are they've only covered one game out of the month of September in eleven games. I mean, that's that's just crazy, and I, I think they're going to probably have maybe a hard chance on this one. Granted, they've had great success against Arizona. If you look at their uh, records, they threw up 49 points against them last year, 48 the year before, but uh, this offense is not like those offenses we saw those last two years. So this this game right here is very intriguing to me. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the, uh, the road trip to Arizona. So uh, weird, USC doesn't have back-to-back home games all year. Um, so came home for one and we'll be going on the road against Arizona. So what's the, what's the line there? And what do you think about the game? The, the line is three and a half in the total 61. Arizona is the favorite. And like I said, normally if this was a normal USC team, we're probably looking at uh, USC seven, maybe a bigger number total and um, a higher sixties last year, the total was 76. So it just tells me right here that we think this game is not as, Big as we've seen a USC game before. I mean, even if this game was, let's say, week one, like when they played UNLV, this number probably would have been like around a touchdown, even though Arizona had a lot of hype coming in here. If it wasn't for other teams who have been playing some really bad football, uh, I would think Arizona is probably one of the most hyped teams coming into the college football that started and just have not played to their hype. I mean, granted, they've won back-to-back games, but I'm sorry, uh, you beat Oregon State last week and you beat... uh, uh, a Tijuana, Mexico football team the week before, <laughs> with 62 points. Uh, so uh, you you really haven't 
all I can remember is I could close my eyes and I could just see Houston just pushing them around uh, for the first uh, for their first road game when they threw up 45 points against an Arizona defense. So yeah, this one's interesting. If USC can get a big win, I'm talking about a and against the spread cover win and B maybe another 30 plus point win, then maybe they will, we might see that USC team that we thought we were going to see. If this is a hard battle one that we saw like against Washington state where they only win by three and the USC fans are biting their nails and it's to the cubicles and blood squirting out in the fourth quarter. Cause that's how close the game is. Then the, I, I wouldn't shock me to see an Arizona uh, cover or maybe even upset win, but I think USC flexes their muscles. I guess some, I think that win last week was probably just get the monkey off my back kind of a, a conference win. I think they, I think they blow up against Arizona. So the, the, to be clear, this USC is favored by three and a half, right? So Arizona's correct. getting three and a half. Okay. Yeah, correct. I mean, like I said, if this game was a couple, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago or stuff like that, we probably would have seen a, a lot bigger number, but like me and you have both said this before, this USC team is not the same USC team we've seen in year after year. And the betting public is telling us that right now. I mean, it's 65% of tickets coming in on USC. So if you think you're going to get three and a half by kickoff, you're going to be crazy because I can guarantee you that's going to be four or four and a half, depending on what the public has done in the morning, just because, A, this is a late game. And now I know a lot of these East Coast listeners are probably uh, listening to the show right now are probably sleeping to, uh, in a nice little warm bed at this uh, kickoff time. But uh, this number will be between four, four and a half by kickoff because I can guarantee you the public will be betting all over USC. No, it's weird. So my my gut's telling me the same thing, like this should be on USC, but my brain is telling me otherwise. Um, it, the, the only issue I see with, I, I know Arizona got pushed around by Houston, but they've looked really good. They look like a really good team now. And I think Arizona's progressed. Now, it's a different Arizona team. I thought we would see pretty much what you saw last year. Um, but they changed the culture there. Kevin Sumlin's changed it from what Rich Rod did. And Khalil Tate is not uh, the runner that he was then. But I think they're still trying to use the threat of the run. But, man, they ran for 422 yards, I think it was, against uh, Oregon State. They got their left tackle back. He was out for the first couple of games. It seems like this team is at least going in the right direction. What early... They just look like crap. I mean, I saw that uh, the uh, Houston game, and they just were they were throwing bombs up twenty one nothing. I mean, it was crazy what Houston was doing. Um, and you know, I think that's a pretty good team. But Arizona does look better, so I could see them being in some sort of, of dogfight. But I don't know. My gut is still telling me USC is going to cover the spread, but my brain's not going to let me believe that. I agree on that, and I know Arizona ran wild against Oregon State, but Tate's only, I mean, he was 9 for 17 in that game, and he only threw for 152 yards. If you're USC, I think you crowd the, the line and say, hey, we want Tate to beat us on his arm, not his legs and not the running back legs. So I think that's what they're going to, if they can stop the run early and make Arizona be a throwing team, then I think that's what's going to be USC, because I think USC still has a lot of speed in the secondary, and I think that's going to be able to control the tempo. If Arizona can run the ball early and spread those uh, spread that defense a little bit thin in the second half, then I think that's where Arizona can expose USC because USC is going to be concentrating on a run and then they're going to start passing the ball. Then I can say, okay, your brain is right, don't bet it. But I still think USC's defense is going to show up and make Arizona beat them through the air and not through the legs. All right. Rafael Esparza, he's with uh, Doc Sports Service. He's also an oddsmaker consultant for mybookie.ag. comes on every week during the season chatting about the betting lines, which so many people are talking. I mean, is it weird how mainstream it is now? I mean, it's probably mainstream for you because of what you do, but it seems like it's mainstream everywhere now. 
Oh, it's funny. If you had told me this 365 days ago that I'd be talking, uh, that I would be on a lot of uh, main media uh, eyes and stuff like that and talking for what I do for a living, I'd be like, you're crazy. Because a year ago from now, I was the guy that did his job in a closet and didn't like to tell people what I did. Now, when I tell people <laughs> what I do, I'm the cool guy at the party. And, uh, <laughs> and even and even the hot chicks are looking at me before I was getting all the ugly girls. So it's, it's a very different aspect where in my career where I was a mainstream guy. How could you integrity the game? You're you're betting on kids now too. Wow, you can bet on the Little League World Series or you can bet on this. Wow, that's so cool. So it's just funny how uh, the, the Supreme Court makes one decision and I and I get to eat at the cool kid table. Nice. All right. Well, Raphael, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, uh, thanks again for sharing your knowledge. Take it easy. Have a great weekend. All right. That's Rafael Esparza. Thanks for coming on. And everyone else, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time.